RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Tuesday night, Facebook Live, and that means one thing, Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Hey, we were wondering if you'd like to talk about episode 13 of Star Trek Discovery. What's past is prologue. And we are asking you uh, to talk about it. We go live a couple of days after Discovery goes live so that everybody can watch it a time or two, gather their notes, gather their theories, then uh, spill it all on the Internet live with us. So uh, please do that by clicking on the Zoom meeting link from your PC or your Mac. Uh, that link is right there above and below this video. You can also call us at 669 900 that number again, 669-900-6833, and type in the meeting code on the screen. Uh, you can also use the one-tap form from your smartphone and be connected that way. And remember, those numbers change from week to week. So every week we do this thing. We get together, we set up our cameras, uh, we invite your calls, we share our thoughts, and we run a poll for you sick, sick people. And when I call you sick people, it's only because you are. Um, last week's poll... Uh, <laughs> are these numbers right? No, these numbers are not right. Okay, these numbers were wrong earlier. You're not sick people. You're wonderful people. When I checked this earlier, it said that the answer to the poll was uh, 7%. They wanted to see Saru on the bridge. 93% they wanted to see him on a better ice. That was earlier today. Apparently, somebody's gone in and corrected those numbers. So I apologize. Uh, you're not sick people. You're wonderful people. Because as I say, last week's poll was how do you like your Kelpian on the bridge or on a plate? And uh, the good news is, you're all redeemable human beings. 80% of you said on the bridge, uh, 20% said sauteed. Who came up with the poll question, Ken? Who came up with the poll question? Who followed it immediately with, that's a joke, don't use it. <laughs> uh, there's no way I would have been able to leave that alone. But look, we, we have a little more serious poll question this week. Um, now, we know what happened at the end of the episode, but I'm thinking that this is a poll question that goes into episodes far beyond. And that question is, who should end up as captain of the disco? And I don't mean like captain of the disco, like we're all out dancing. I mean, captain of the yeah. discovery. I mean, it could be captain of the disco because that, that would be you, Ben. Right? Yeah, I was going to say the answer to who should be captain of the disco is me. But if you mean the discovery, then yeah. What are your two choices? Uh, so you got Saru okay. and you got Burnham. Now, the last time I checked, Saru had 81% and Burnham had 19%. Yeah. Well, I mean, just speaking logistically, there's no way that Burnham can be captain of the Discovery, can she? But if you're talking about like like who is actually more well positioned or who is more well seasoned, and that's not another eating a Kelpian joke. <laughs> if, if you're talking about who's actually who's better prepared to be captain, I mean, I assume that's the kind of thing that you're asking. And so, yeah, Saru or Michael Burnham, uh, your responses are welcome. Yeah. And by the way, we already have people chiming in here. We have, uh, well, first of all, Samuel says, hello, can we root for Saru and the Discovery crew now? Yes. Yes, you can, Samuel. Good call. And then um, Carlo saying uh, Saru is a dish best served cold. So still, still going with last week's poll question on that. But uh, thank you for your comment there, Carlos. A lot of people are just saying Saru here, um, including, oh, let's see here, T.L. Coco saying uh, Saru. So uh, make sure you go vote. And uh, thank you. We'll, uh, we'll check back in on that a little bit later in the show. 
So right now, folks, you are either, let's see, you're either watching or listening to Mission Log Live. I'm pretty sure on one or either or both of those. Don't know. Don't, don't ask me how. I just know. And look, don't forget that each week you can join our video. You can find it in a couple of places. Right here on Facebook at facebook.com slash missionlogpod or at YouTube at youtube.com slash roddenberryprod. Makers of fine prods. 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Now, if you prefer something downloadable, something in maybe an audio only, I have that for you. We'll make that happen in the middle of the night, a few hours after this show finishes up. Now, while decent people are sleeping, we will be hard at work, and we will get the audio posted in an audio-only version in its own podcast feed. You can find that, and you can subscribe to it wherever you get podcasts, like, say, an iTunes. Just search for Mission Log Live. You can also go over to podcast.roddenberry.com where you can find this show, the regular mission log, plus women at warp and priority one. Oh, oh, and a new show, The Trek Files, and, and hopefully many more coming soon. But if you're watching us right now live on Facebook, hit like, hit share. Sharing is caring. And as we've established, uh, when we say, you know, while decent people are sleeping, that's all of you because you're all wonderful people. And again, I apologize for maligning you a moment ago. Hey, uh, before we get into uh, sort of the meat of this week's show, I want to tell you about our new shop or remind you about our new shop at tpublic.com slash user. That's singular. That's you, you user, you. Uh, tpublic.com slash user slash mission log. Uh, normally, we show you the, uh, the the website, and we'll be doing that in a moment, But but check this out. I don't know. I can't see my camera because I'm looking at my script, but hopefully this is somewhere near where it ought to be. Uh, that is uh, actually one of the uh, the vinyl decals that you can get. Uh, this is the one for uh, Farscape, uh, obviously. Not Farscape, Farpoint Station. I apologize. <laughs> this is actually a journal that we have uh, from the good people at Ditalix B Mining Corporation. What's yours is mine. I mentioned last week that they do more than just T-shirts, but they do stuff like this as well. They're like wall hangings and um, and 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 these stickers. Uh, there are mugs. There are all kinds of things. I think I actually have a T-shirt on the way. Um, I have uh, ordered the Sea Temi T-shirt, the bonk bonk on the head since 1966. Uh, there's of course the Nova Squadron T-shirt, and that Ditalics uh, Mining Corporation uh, logo that you just saw in my journal is also available on T-shirts and stuff as well. So there's new stuff turning up all the time. We would love it if you checked it out. Uh, tpublic.com slash user slash mission log. So, Ken, for example, you might mention, oh, I really think that Lieutenant Junior J is awesome. <laughs> and then Carl might be like, give me a minute. Yeah, we need to talk to her about that. By the way, yeah, she was just saying, love you guys. And uh, the feeling is mutual. So um, thank you. Tracy for I, I need to not think about Lieutenant Junior J watching the show, dude. <laughs> All right. In just a moment, we will open up the lines for your comments and questions. But before we do that, what if we all catch up on what happened in this week's episode of Discovery? Ken, if you would do us the honors, please, and recap what's past is prologue. When last we left the Mirror Universe, Mirror Stamets had woken aboard the Charon, and Mirror Lorca, who we used to call Lorca, had escaped capture. Now he's released his followers, including his tough-as-nail security woman, Commander Landry. Of course, they have a plan, knock off Emperor Giorgio, and take control of the Terran Empire. He finds Mirror Stamets and fills us in on a bit of backstory. 
He was trying to beam back to the mirror Boran when the Emperor's ship caught up with him. The Baran was hit by torpedoes and ran into an ion storm at precisely the same time. So when Mirror Lorca beamed up, he ended up in the Prime Universe Baran, free to start finding his way back to his own universe. Ahead of all of that, apparently, Mirror Stamets had been working on a bioweapon for the Emperor. It works, and it and Mirror Stamets are now in Lorca's service. In the throne room, Michael Burnham is trying to counsel the Emperor on dealing with Lorca. And the Emperor is done with that. She orders Burnham locked in the brig, though Burnham escapes, probably to warn Discovery against showing up in the middle of a coup with neither side looking to help outsiders. Back on Discovery, a status update from acting Captain Saru. Stamets Prime is up and about, and the spore drive is working, but they're running out of spores. The damage done by Mira Stamets is spreading quickly. But what's that powering the Emperor's ship? A big, dangerous bundle of mycelial spore energy, different from Discovery's. While Discovery rides the mycelial network like a wave, the Charon uses mycelium-like fuel, a process that's destroying the network. When it's gone, so is all life in the universe. So the Terrans are willing to keep depleting their resources at their own expense, kicking the problem and potential disaster down the road. So the crew of Discovery are not just saving themselves, they're saving the universes. Back on the Charon, Lorca's on the mic, baiting the Emperor... She was weak. She's let the Empire fall into ruin. He's also inviting her followers to become his followers. Also, leave Michael Burnham out of this. The Emperor herself leads troops to find the rebel Lorca. It's a tense firefight. The Lorca's team wins. All but the Emperor dies from her side with only an emergency beam out saving her life. Burnham, meanwhile, has found a way to contact Discovery. There's a plan in the works. They'll blow up the Karen's spore reactor when they arrive, though Burnham will have to get the reactor's containment field down first. But control for that is in the throne room, now under Lorca's control. So, Burnham finds the Emperor and hatches a plan. They'll turn themselves in to Lorca. And that's all we know. What they really do, though, is turn themselves in and then fight Lorca and win against Lorca. While Burnham tells Lorca that she's still Starfleet and still won't kill him, the Emperor is very much not Starfleet, and runs Lorca through with a sword, then dumps his dying body into the Charon's spore drive for good measure. So, everybody who had been in the throne room with Lorca, Mira Stamets and his close band of followers, all but Landry, are dead, and Burnham's dropped the containment field around the spore reactor. So let's check in on Discovery. They stumbled across a problem. Destroying the Charon's spore reactor will probably destroy them too. But all life in the universe will be saved since the reactor feeding on the mycelial network will be destroyed, giving the network time to regenerate. Here's the thing, though. Saru can sense death, and he does not sense it today. They'll find a way out of this. And they do. Instead of sitting, waiting to be hit by the energy wave created by the reactor's destruction, they'll turn and ride it. Surf it, if you will. That'll give them enough spores to get back into their universe now all they have to do is swoop in, beam out Burnham, blow up the reactor, and head home. All of which they do with one hitch. In the Emperor's throne room, loyalists to Lorca are coming for the Emperor. Sure, she won, but they know weakness when they've seen it. Her reign is at an end. She tells Burnham goodbye, though as Burnham is beaming out, she grabs the Emperor, and it's two to beam to Discovery, which proceeds to destroy the reactor and the Charon. Then it's back to the Prime Universe. I'm sorry, did I say one hitch? I meant two. The first was the Tagalong Emperor. The second 
they have overshot their place in time by nine months. The Federation Klingon war appears to be over and the Federation appears to have lost. The end. Whoa, man. Oh, whoa. I know. Twist yeah. after twist. And just when you think you're all out of twists, hey, there's a turn up ahead. Mm hmm. Right. <laughs> Twisty and turny, dude. So uh, we do have a caller standing by, Annie. I just want to remind everybody that you can join us right now by clicking on the Zoom meeting link from your PC or Mac. That link is right there above and right there below this video. You can also call us at 669-900-6833 from your phone and type in the meeting and type in the meeting code on screen. You can also use the one tap from your smartphone and be connected that way. Remember, those numbers change from week to week. So I believe she's there. Annie, do we have you on the line with us? Yes, I'm here. Annie, pleasure to hear from you. Thanks. Excellent. So what's on your mind tonight? Well, I was one of the people who was really disappointed that Lorca ended up being kind of just evil. I was really appreciating how he seemed dynamic and nuanced and interesting. And I was really rooting for him to be a good guy in some weird way. And at first I was really disappointed to find out that he was just mirror Lorca and he didn't have any kind of good intent. He just wanted to be the emperor. Um, but based on what, uh, what he said on after track the other night about how he modeled his character after uh, Donald Trump, it made me think about, I think that it was maybe me done it intentionally. Um, we are kind of like the Trump supporter who believed in him and who really thought that he was a good guy and he had good messages and, and, and like the, the sadness and the betrayal that I feel and the disappointment in his character. I'm wondering if, if that was done intentionally. It kind of seems like it was. And so I'm sort of starting to appreciate it more um, as, as a feeling that was created on purpose. And it's not just me being disappointed and this character that I thought was nuanced and interesting being less so. You know, somebody asked us uh, in an email if we thought that we would hear from Prime Lorca again. And I, I wondered about that. But I, I also did wonder what you thought at the beginning, which was, no! okay, we, oh, you, you have an animal there. I have a cat. Sorry. <laughs> okay. That's all right. <laughs> Hello to the cat. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of wondered uh, a similar thing. You, you presented the emperor who uh, is a character who clearly has an evil streak, uh-huh. but we did have to question, was Lorca actually doing something that was going to better the Terran Empire? And I don't just mean that it, like taking power for himself, but, but it, was there something better, more redeemable about him than having Giorgio in place? And, and I guess we didn't get that. We just we got a guy who was bad through and through and just after power himself. I knew people who really thought and hoped that what was happening was that Lorca was actually at heart a good guy. And he was looking to take over the Terran Empire just so he could better the Terran Empire. I mean, it's uh, the Trump thing. When he talked about making the empire glorious again. I mean, that's that. I mean, I wonder if they thought about just using the word great, but if they maybe felt that that would be a little too bonk bonk on the head. <laughs> it's um, already bonk bonk on the head. Yeah. It's pretty bonk bonk on the head. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting. We've talked before about how much dedication Lorca showed to uh, whatever his mission was, and we didn't know what it was. 
I mean, he's a he's a he's a horrible, bigoted, terrible person who wants nothing more than humanity, you know, atop every pyramid it can be until it's only a pyramid of humans because he's wiped out everything else. And so it's a weird sort of thing. There's a parallel, I think, which doesn't really get to your point. There's a parallel uh, between what's happened with Vok and what's happened with Lorca. He served beside Saru, and there's nothing more that he hates than Saru. And there's nothing more that Vok hates than humans. And yet he's been hanging out with them as well. But I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying, and I, I appreciate what you're saying. And it is weird to get 13 episodes in before we get that message. I mean, this, this was actually a fairly... This is a fairly message-heavy episode, but all sort of delivered in, in like a few lines. Like there's Lorca's speech. There's the um, depleting your resources speech uh, given by Stamets to Saru at one point. Um, and don't forget of, the Saru speech. Yeah, the, well, okay, we can talk about the Saru speech. I mean, oh, I, no, this, no. this is. I mean, this is a don't use all your resources to the point of killing your planet speech, which is very much Star Trek as opposed to just a rousing captain speech, which which Saru gave. I think. Mm-hmm hugely bigly if you want to yeah yeah um and i feel like i'm just rambling now what else what else do you have i apologize um i had another question that was kind of about Lorca. um i noticed throughout different episodes that his english accent sort of wavered into something else sometimes and (laughs) they never address that but i know everything on this show is done intentionally i don't think he's just not that great at doing an american accent so i was i was wondering if you guys think that there was some that was part of the character to have his accent not always be completely american did you notice that or do you think it's just more just jason isaac's american accent isn't as perfect as it could be now, see, that's interesting. I never noticed his English accent coming through, but I do know that Lorca is supposed to be a Southerner, and mm-hmm. he was doing a he was doing an American accent, but it had every now and then a little tinge of Southernism in it. And and, and as a Southerner who really does not have a Southern accent, I know that there are words I can say or that I'll slip into every now and then that I think, wait a minute. That just sounded like a guy from Alabama. What's he doing here? (laughs) So um, maybe it was that. Do you remember when you heard him sound like like a Londoner? Well, it wasn't always English. That was the thing. Sometimes it sounded Australian. Sometimes it sounded Scottish to me. Mm. The the, the biggest instance for me, the the one that I I thought, okay, that wasn't a mistake, was when they're um, on Mirror Shenzhou in the ready room and uh, Burnham is first telling him um, about, it was right before the emperor shows up when they're in the ready room and they're having this conversation and she's telling him that um, about how Tyler's not, not okay. And she's saying that, you know, I don't have anybody anymore. And he says, well, I'm here with you in that conversation. There's like a good two sentences that are not an American accent. Interesting. Well, I feel like I can rewatch when we do our rewatch before season two and I binge everything again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have to keep an eye out for that. There was a few instances in this week's episode, too, but they weren't as big. And I don't know if I'm being nitpicky and it's just it's nothing. It's just him not actually being American. Um, But they just seem so meticulous about detail on the show. And he seems so meticulous about the character. I was wondering if it was part of the character, part of him being the sort of devious guy or maybe in the future there isn't as specific of a Southern accent or an American accent. Maybe, you know, since we're all one people and we all speak English, there's, 
more variation in the way we talk, or maybe I'm overthinking it. Uh, maybe we are talking about a, a future where Frenchmen sound like Englishmen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, but you're also talking about a future where Chekhov sounds like a well, kind of like a Russian and Scotty sounds <laughs> kind of like a guy from Scotland. Actually, Lorca did a killer Scottish accent at one time. He did. Time. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so yeah. good. Yeah. That, that cat is night. right on top of you. That, that cat is up on the shelf behind you. Oh, yeah, that's the other one. I have two. Okay. I've outed right. myself as a crazy cat lady. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It was a pleasure to hear from you, Annie. Thank, Thank you. you so much. All right. Call us again sometime, okay? All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. You know, everybody else watching and listening could be just like Annie. Um, you know, you don't even need cats if you don't want to, but you could have those too. Uh, give us a call uh, from your Mac or your PC, or, I mean, just by clicking the link uh, that's on the screen that you're watching right now. Also, you can call us at 669-900-6833. That number again, 669-900-6833 from your phone, and then type in the meeting code that you see on your screen. You can use the one tap from your smartphone and be connected that way. And, um, and, you know, as long as you're tapping things on your phone, uh, there's a like button, there's a share button if you're watching us on Facebook. Uh, if you wanted to tap one or both of those and invite more people into the conversation, uh, golly, that would be uh, that would be just fantastic. Hey, uh, I want to take a uh, question here from our Facebook page. Uh, Meredith, what up, Meredith? She says, Ken and John, did Michael make the right choice by bringing the emperor back with her? Well, we won't know until we do, will we? I mean, here's the one thing about uh, here's the one thing about discovery. I mean, they whether you think they've succeeded or not, the 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 writers are definitely trying to keep you guessing all the time. And so it's it's almost getting to the point that I don't want to bring up. I kind of want to bring up philosophical things, like sort of in retrospect, because everything has been like, you know, anything that you think is true. I mean, they're they they seem to be reveling in pulling the rug out from under you. So, I mean, I think I think based on the burden that she's been carrying about how she treated Giorgio and also um, the fact that she has shown herself to be an honorable woman. Yes, she's from the Terran Empire and honor there, I mean, kind of like the Klingons, honor there means something different than honor might mean for you or me. Um, I, I don't know that Burnham uh, could have left her there. Plus, I like the idea that we're going to get to see more of Michelle Yeoh uh, going forward too, as opposed to just leaving her there to die. I, I, yeah, I certainly agree with you there. He, here's the thing that I like about bringing her back, because it kind of goes back to this philosophical question. Um, are you really you if you're raised under a different set of circumstances? So Giorgio uh, sort of baits Burnham a little bit with, look, was the, the Giorgio you knew in your universe honorable? Sure. She's still not in that universe. We really know nothing about this Giorgio at all. So she's sort of making a guess and and we're we're sort of trying to figure out, well, kind of like mirror mirror looking at Spock. You know, this is what Kirk was confronted with when he talked to Spock at the end of that episode, saying, like, you know, the Spock in my universe is one thing. And, and I feel like I can get through to you, the Spock in this universe. You could actually make a difference. You could actually make a change. Now, I think what's interesting about the idea of having mirror Giorgio in the prime universe is that now that we're landed in a prime universe where the Klingons have taken over, what, 60% or 80% of uh, uh, Federation territory, that might be the key to undoing that. 
or, or taking whatever the next step is that they're going to take. And then I think we have to ask ourselves, well, if we're taking the advice and the tactics of somebody from the mirror universe who could actually get us out of this conundrum of, uh, of a Klingon victory, are her tactics, are her techniques, are they something that we're okay with doing to be the quote unquote winners at the end of this? So, um, yeah, Meredith, that's a great question. Did, did she do a great, did she do a good thing by bringing back Georgia? Well, we don't know, but, she certainly did an intriguing thing by bringing back Giorgio uh, because we get to see the parallel of who this person is at their core versus simply the environment that they've been in. The environment that that Giorgio was in was, uh, you know, top of the ladder. She was the emperor of a deadly empire and now she's not. And how she, how is she going to react to that? Will she actually be able to adapt to a more benevolent world or is she, irredeemable i don't know there's some good questions to wrap up in the next couple of episodes you've also got it seems to me you've got an interesting possibility for parallels assuming that both whatever ash tyler slash bach has become uh, goes into the next season and assuming that uh, this giorgio goes into the next season i mean you've got an interesting chance to run some parallels there like uh, nature versus nurture in a way like you know, they they both come from uh, wildly different backgrounds they are now part of this infinite diversity and infinite combinations uh, organization, um, you might be able to play one against the other and actually sort of run a thought experiment on how that would go um, on both of them. Like, like this is a way a character might react. This is another way that a character might react because while they're not the same, um, I would say there are similarities. While you were talking, John, uh, I checked the, uh, the Facebook page and JR has the funniest idea ever. Okay, go ahead. What do you think uh, the fortunes in Lurka's fortune cookies say from the mirror universe? <laughs> now, unfortunately, I couldn't click on it to read what yeah. any of his suggestions were, but I'm thinking every one of them just says, you are going to die. I mean, that's yeah, pretty it. Much. That, that, pretty I think much. that would yeah. be, you are going to yeah. die, although you might occasionally get one that says, oh, your best friend is going to die. I mean, like, mm-hmm. just different. Yeah. yeah, but I really love that idea. So props, JR, and thanks for throwing that in there. And everybody else who's like throwing stuff around in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the Facebook room, too. Yeah, I, I love it. Based on that last question, Josh uh, says Burnham probably grabbed Giorgio purely on emotional whim. For all we know, she regrets it already. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I think I might be there with you, Josh. And then uh, Carlos says, will she eat Saru? Oh, wow. Mm, yeah, we went there again. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, every I'm time so every time sorry. she's in a room with Saru, she'll just be like, oh, oh, sorry. It's, it's embarrassing that this keeps happening. Yeah. <clears throat> and her mouth watering every time he's there. For the people listening, not watching, I was miming. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. Hey, we have a video caller coming up in just a moment, but do you want to get the business out of the way first, John, so that we can yeah. so we can uh, so we can devote our full attention to Kim when we get to Kim in just a moment? But Absolutely. before we devote our full attention to her, we'll be devoting our full attention to uh, to EagleMoss.com slash Discovery Starships because they are once again a sponsor of this show, which we really appreciate. Since this show started, they have been telling you about the different starships they have. Right now, they're telling you about the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection, or they're asking us to tell you about them, so we are. Uh, first season of Discovery is almost over, but your time with the Discovery could just be beginning because Eagle Moss wants you to get a Discovery of your very own, as well as a slew of ships from the latest Star Trek series, uh, all part of the Eagle Moss Discovery Starships collection. So on the Federation side, you've got ships like the Shenzhou and the Discovery, uh, the Corella, the Jaeger, the Europa, 
Then flying in from Klingon space, uh, by the way, just a little behind the scenes here, each week Ken and I divide up the, uh, the, the hosting duties and the script duties, and yet every week I end up with the Klingon words. I don't know why that keeps happening. So coming in on the Klingon side, you've got ships like the reimagined Klingon Bird of Prey, and wait for it, the class destroyer. You sound like one of Annie's cats. So what you'll see when you visit EagleMoss.com slash Discovery Starships are renderings that serve as the basis for the diecast models themselves. Painstakingly reproduced, as always, under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. Uh, these are officially authorized by CBS Studios. They're about 8 to 10 inches from bow to stern. They're hand-painted. They're rich in detail. Each comes with the awesome magazine full of real-world and in-universe information, and each comes with a display stand uh, suitable for displaying your ships. So subscribers will get their first ship, the USS Shinjo NCC-1227, for only $9.95 with free shipping. Additional models, including the iconic USS Discovery NCC-1031, will then ship monthly for the special subscriber price of only $44.95 each. That's 20% off the standard retail price, also with free shipping. Now, people who want to pick and choose their ships can do that. For that, you go to shop.eaglemoss.com or check your local comic shop. You're going to pay about 10 bucks more, though, when you do that, which is fine because, you know, you're picking up one or two ships that you want. Saving money, though, is not the only reason to subscribe. When you subscribe, you also get free gifts worth over $100 during your subscription, not like the minute you subscribe. But during your subscription, you'll get free gifts worth over 100 bucks, And, of course, you can cancel that subscription at any time. So to subscribe, eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. If you want to buy them individually, shop.eaglemoss.com. And a huge thanks, as always, to Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's show. Hey, Ken, before we jump to our caller, I, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, we got a text message. That there's somebody who has kind of like a direct line to us, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a weird thing. But he he chimes in and he's uh, very intent about it. So Rod, <laughs> Rod says, here's a question. Is everyone in the mirror universe evil or has their world simply evolved differently? Um, and I'm glad that you asked that because that kind of gets back to this question about what is it the nature of somebody like Filippo Giorgio, Emperor Giorgio in this case? What is it the nature of Lorca, which we'll never see Mira Lorca again? Um, but it, it kind of goes back to the problem, Ken, that you and I had with the Mirror Universe from the beginning. Which is to say that, yeah, you can create an empire like that, everybody killing each other and just assuming power and, and, and stamping down your enemies. It's unlikely that you probably can't maintain a civilization like that. So if you take it back to the extreme and say, okay, when was this Terran empire formed? Can they really keep developing? Can they keep up the technological pace? Can they keep uh, uh, parallel to the prime universe by acting the way that they do. I, I feel like, you know, look, one of the things about the mirror universe that doesn't always sit well with me is that it is a metaphor inside a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Star Trek is already a metaphor. It's already fiction that, that tackles social and political and personal issues in the metaphor of science fiction. Then you enter into this metaphor that is the mirror universe that says, hey, look, here's this other weird world where things don't work the way that they would. But I think when you try to maintain a story there, 
questions like that come up, could you actually have that? And I, I don't think you can. Um, it sort of goes... I would say it sort of goes back to the monoculture question that we had about uh, the Klingons, like where are the nerd Klingons, and and we finally got to meet somebody along the way in uh, uh, TNG. We got to meet some clerics, we got to meet some scientists, but in the Terran Empire, I, I, are there people who their counterparts in the Prime Universe are horrible? So then there are people in the Terran Universe that are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that this question was brought up because I was actually going to say, do we need to address the fact that we refer to the universe that we've been watching as the prime universe and the other one as the mirror universe? Because the mirror universe just sees itself as the universe, right? It doesn't yeah. look at itself as a mirror. It, look at it, it looks at itself as what it does. I mean, say what you want to about Lorca. He believes what he's doing is right. It's terrible and it's ghastly, but mm-hmm. do you call him evil because he believes what he's doing is correct? It's reprehensible. Maybe you could say that. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, to say that they're – at the same time, you have to you have to plant a flag someplace, don't you? I mean, you call them evil because you've got an idea of what you think is good. The only problem is you've got to expect them to do the same thing. Oh, you're terrible because you're working with a Kelpian as opposed to eating them. Okay, that doesn't really yeah, – yeah. from from where we stand, that doesn't make them terrible. Um, that makes us actually a, a better and more wonderful – but they would probably say the exact same thing, which I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, and by the way, to, just to give credit where it's due, I didn't realize that question is actually from a listener. Uh, Rod merely forwarded in because he thought it was a great question. So, and yes, yes, it is a great question. Yes, it is. You know, right. you know who might also have a great question. Somebody that we have been keeping on the line for far too long now. <laughs> um, thank you very much for letting us do our business there. And thank you very much also for letting us feel that other question first, but Kim, how's it going this evening? Oh, it's uh, it's going great. Excellent. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I just I just want to. By the way, I want to say that uh, John and Kenny, you guys do some great work with uh, Mission Log Live and Mission Logs. Been listening for quite some time with that. So great oh, job thank you. there. Thank you very um, much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, my question to you is: Do you think perhaps that the writers rushed going back to the Prime Universe in this episode? To me, it felt a little rushed. I think they could have played a little more in the uh, mirror universe. It, it just seemed like uh, Lorca's demise was a little too quick. Um, so I, I will agree and disagree with you in my answer. Um, I, I will agree with you that there are things about the mirror universe that I liked and wanted to see more of, primarily Lorca. I, I think they created an amazing character with Lorca. He was the the good guy then who you thought might be a bad guy, who was the bad guy that you were wondering if he might have some good in him after all. Just what a wonderfully rich character to be in this uh, in this show and man Jason Isaacs played him beautifully so I wanted more of that and, and remember we do have a mirror character with us now we have Emperor Giorgio and we get to see how that mirror character adapts something we never got to see in mirror mirror in the original series what was actually happening to those mirror characters on the prime enterprise at that time 
So we still have threads of that story that will affect us. But I'm actually glad that we're out of the mirror universe. And and for the reasons that I stated before, because I, I feel like at best having the mirror universe is a, a a metaphor inside the metaphor that is already Star Trek, that it is not really sustainable for a long, long story arc. Uh, so I feel like the way that they're telling Star Trek Discovery, where season one is chapter one of a book. You know, we we had to get through that. We had to establish who these characters are, where they're from, the ones who won't be with us anymore, then move on to whatever is next. So but but look, it, here's the thing. We've said on Mission Log many times before, everybody's episode of Star Trek is somebody's favorite. Everybody's episode of Star Trek is somebody's least favorite. So if I'm kind of lukewarm on the mirror universe, it's very likely that there are people who say, oh, give me mirror universe all day. Give me a whole series of the mirror universe and I'm happy. So I respect that. And if you wanted to see more of the mirror universe, well, well who knows? Like I said, we still have a thread of it there. I got to say the one thing that I wish we had had was a bit more of what we got from the wolf inside. There was real consideration on the part of Michael Burnham and a little bit with uh, Tyler before he you know, went full on Vok. Of, of what it would mean to be there. And honestly, I wish, I wish we had had a, a, a discussion, kind of like the discussion we were just having about, can you call this place evil between Burnham and, um, and Lurka, knowing that he is Mira Lurka, knowing that everything he's done has been playing. I would like for her to ask how he can feel the way he feels having served beside, um, having served beside Saru this whole time. I would like for her to, I, w- I would like for them to have sort of that meeting of the minds, maybe him trying to get her to see how, as far as he's concerned, he's not evil. I don't expect her to change, but I mean, to maybe sort of see it a bit differently, because basically once we find out he's Mira Lorca, that's all he is as far as she's concerned. Now he's just a piece against which to be played on her way out of the mirror universe and back into his own. If all they're going to do is the is the shoot 'em up bang bang that they did for most of the mirror universe, I'm fine leaving as fast as we did. I do feel like though, going to what John said about you know it's a metaphor inside a metaphor. Maybe we could have treated it a little bit more metaphorically. Maybe we could have actually had the conversation among the characters, and then I would have been happy to stay there for another episode or two. If the fight had been raging outside while the while while Lorca and Burnham are actually trying to come to a meeting of the minds and I don't expect they ever would. And it would still probably end the same way, but it would have been neat to actually see the characters wrestle with that stuff as well. Um, and also I selfishly, I really hoped that the Klingon war was going to be over and we were going to have won. So I would have been fine spending the rest of the season in the mirror universe just because then we could have been finished with that thing. And by the way, Kim, uh, Aaron Harvey, who is a friend of ours and uh, watching the show right now, wanted to remind uh, you and everybody here that there is actually a Mirror Universe comic coming from IDW. So if you like this tangent that they're on with the Mirror Universe, there are more stories there that you can pick up. So that that's kind of a cool thing. That's the nice thing about Star Trek is that it seems like anytime there is one plot element introduced, Somebody somewhere will write a book about it, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> There's yeah. also probably a To Serve Galpian cookbook coming out pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on your mind tonight, Kim? Uh, 
no, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's been a decent series. There's a couple things that I see is uh, veering from canon a little bit, but you know what? It's it's the nature of the beast with um, the change in the times and the increase in technologies and things. I, the special effects and the quality of the show itself is is awesome. You can't. I don't think you can. Uh, you can debate that. There's some really good special effects. So I, I look forward to seeing the last two episodes and, uh, and and dealing with the long wait for season two. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be curious when that's actually going to hit. Well, thank you very much for, uh, thank you very much for calling in tonight, Kevin. Please, uh, please give us a call. Uh, give us a call again sometime. Okay, great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Should we let people know, John, that, I mean, our plan is to actually continue the live show past Discovery. Yeah. So when we say call us again sometime, I'm not looking to stack it for the next two weeks. Because first of all, we're going to be doing Discovery for at least three more weeks. We've got the two episodes. So we'll do the regular one after that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll probably do a bit of a, a season recap, at least one episode a season recap. Honestly, John and I have pages and pages of notes that we never got to. <laughs> that's true it's very true so we may actually yeah. go back and in our season recap talk about some of the points that that i mean i that i honestly thought were going to end up being huge conversation points that we would have during the live show that we didn't get to because thankfully so many people have called in and written in and had questions or comments of their own or theories of their own things like that but um just because discovery is almost finished uh, mission log live is not completely finished so you know we may take a week or two off to sort of regroup and figure out exactly what we're going to do next but uh, pencil us in for tuesday nights going forward because we would love it if you kept joining us to talk about not just discovery stuff but other star trek stuff because um what 52 years now there's a little bit to talk about <laughs> I've, I've got a list ken i've got a list of uh things we we should address don't tell me show. I- I want yeah. to be surprised. I okay. want to be surprised. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'll um, just show up on a Tuesday night and find out what we're talking about. A couple of interesting comments here on the Facebook feed. Uh, Dave Steele says, I think this treatment of the mirror universe is much more nuanced and quote unquote realistic. It's a screwed up society, not necessarily a bunch of evil individuals. Um, yeah, I, look, it, it is a bigger mirror universe than we got in prior Star Trek. For sure. For sure. Um, but I, I, again, I, I feel like my tolerance for the mirror universe is only so much. Um, JR says, is there an infinite number of universes? Well, it, you would kind of posit that from Star Trek. If so, is this just one of them? Is there an infinite number of mirror universes? This could be a totally different place from what we saw in TOS, Deep Space Nine and Enterprise. Yeah, I, you know, it, there could be other Terran empires in other universes that act a little bit differently from this Terran empire. You know, um, there could be any number of little nuances that differentiate this version from the one that we saw in Mirror Mirror. I don't think that's the intention with these episodes. I I think the, the writers have very much said that Discovery takes place in the prime timeline. Therefore, the mirror universe we're to infer takes place in that mirror universe. But, hey, uh, there seems to be some built-in flexibility with that in the multiverse theory of things. Well, what was the episode with... um, What was the episode where, I guess it was Worf, kept going from time to time to time? 
they were all just different by like one degree in the NTNG or maybe even less than one degree. So, yeah. I mean, sure, if there are multiple, see, you can't call them mirror universes, though, if we're going to talk about multiple universes. If we're talking about an almost infinite number or even an infinite number, they can't all be mirrors of something. So maybe you think of it more like a spectrum in a way. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that. And, and here, by the way, I'm here to blow your mind, dude. I'm here nice. to blow your mind. <laughs> uh, by the way, Mark says, uh, we love chatting here, so keep doing Tuesdays, please. Oh, cool. For you, Mark, for you, we're going to do that. I was on the fence. <laughs> we're going to do that. Uh, except for the part where I just said that we were actually going to do that. So I was but, still yeah. on the fence. Were you still really? The, wow. Yeah, still well, on thank you. Yeah. Thank goodness Mark was here then. Yeah. I want to remind people, we still have a few minutes. If they want to get in touch with us, there is that link uh, somewhere near this video that you're watching right now. Uh, I know there's a phone number, but I did not memorize it because we don't want you to. Ah, here it is. 669-900-6833. 669-900-6833. Uh, you can also use the one tap from your smartphone and be connected right away. Um, of course, we do have another uh, we do have another caller that we would like to hit. Not a caller, but a video caller. Somebody sent us in. Uh, somebody sent us in something earlier this week. Yeah, with the very unlikely name of Chris Riker. Hi, I'm Chris Riker in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and I wanted to say first off, thank you for continually giving thoughtful and insightful podcasts about Star Trek. My thought for tonight is, I hope that the producers as the show goes forward, will continue with this arc, which is kind of dark, but will trust themselves and the fans to go with something that shows off the true optimism of Star Trek, because I think, without getting political, we are headed for tough times. And I think the optimism of Star Trek saw us through some tough times in the 60s, and I think it can happen again. I'd like to see that. I hope they will think about it. Well, thank you tremendously, Chris, for the uh, the kind words, and uh, we're we're very glad that you enjoy the show. And uh, you know what? We'll we'll keep doing it for you and for Mark. We'll keep doing the show. Um, so, do we think that Discovery will return to a more positive vision of the future? Uh, because we sure need it. Um, you know, we don't have any inside information about what is to come in season two. We can only pick up what has been said uh, by the, the, the staff and the writers who are working on season one. And it sounds like the Klingon war is over by the time we get into season two, that there will be a change in how this show, uh, uh, the story that this show is trying to tell. Um, Ken and I have many disagreements about discovery and about kind of the nature of Star Trek and in, in that respect. And one of the things that I like about discovery is all of these sort of complex flaws that keep coming out of the characters. Because I think that this is all leading up to something that is, uh, that is a very Star Trek message, that, that is something about positivity and, and optimism in the future. I just think we're going through the worst of it right now to see the characters get there. So... Do I want to see us land someplace that is a little more returned to that positive story that Star Trek tells? Sure. Now, I like the way that they're telling the Discovery story right now, but I get it that it's dark, it's bloody. Um, it has the potential to turn some audience or potential audience off because of that. Um, 
But I do think they are setting themselves up to bring the crew together and launch them on a new kind of mission when we get into season two. Like I was saying to Kim before, they always said that season one is like chapter one of a book. So that very much like uh, like today's episode title, what's past is prologue. So we had the prologue in the two pilot episodes, the the back to back two parter. And that launched us into this, what, what we've had now, this exploration of Mirror Universe and Lorca and exhausting that story. So I feel like they kind of can make a clean break when they get into season two. I don't know what shape that'll take, but I, I feel like the potential is there for that. From your mouth to somebody's ears. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, chapter one usually sets the mood for a book. I can think of one book where that did what that was not the case. And I don't, I don't want to ruin the book for anybody, but I kind of do because it's a beautiful illustration. I, I can't think of the best way to do it. Basically uh, chapter one of this one book that I read spent about 30 pages introducing us to our main character and we learned everything about our main character. He was like a total, he was a total like cyberpunk hero. He was like straight out of a Gibson novel, but it was about 10 years later. So it was like, you know, that much rougher and the technology, we thought about the technology that much more. And then um, he got caught by some bad guys. And after 30 pages, they took him out back and put a bullet in his head. And what they were doing at that point was saying, all right, you know what? This particular author was like, you know what? I've done cyberpunk now and I'm done with cyberpunk. We're going to tell a completely different kind of story. So I want to let you know, I know what I'm doing and now I've just planted you. The only series that I can think of that ever stepped back. And I know you and I have talked about this before on mission log. So people know I'm going to say lethal weapon. I thought was actually a really good movie. Lethal weapon two was an interesting movie. Kind of, you know, kind of, kind of okay. More humor than it was um, the actual, dynamics of their relationship lethal weapon three they introduce more stars and more guns and more explosions and lethal weapon four i don't even think i saw because it pretty much like starts with explosions and just goes from there the only series that i remember actually stepping back from itself is the star trek movies right you did star trek the motion picture and of course that was a sort of a commercial uh, questionable whether or not that was successful successful they did last but had more action in star trek 2 and in star trek 3 yeah, there was some action, but I mean, they actually kept sort of developing the story as they went. Rare is the series that starts off gigantic and then it goes to something more subdued, something something um, that doesn't just throw more ships and more explosions at you. I hope that happens because I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody at this point. We're 12 episodes into this show covering the 13th episode of Discovery. <sighs> I know it's going to end happy and I know they're going to make the right moral decision. I know that, but shouldn't we have been doing that all along? That's what, that's what Star Trek I thought was and did. That is what the crew of, of the original enterprise did. That's what the crew of the enterprise D did. Um, it, I hope you're right. I hope we do more stuff like, Sorry to say it, like what they're doing on the Orville right now. They're examining uh, the state of humanity today in a very positive, uplifting sort of way, as opposed to we're going to tell this hell story, but it's okay because it's going to end well. Well, of course it's going to end well. I, I want it to go well. 
And I don't mean because I'm soft and I want everything to be good for our characters. I mean, I want <laughs> my guiding light. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Ken, uh, uh, Chris says that Rocky six was surprisingly thoughtful. And mm-hmm. uh, Ernest says police Academy 11 was very nuanced and subtle. Nice. I like uh, that. Okay. But it, it, in all seriousness, Jocelyn, Hi, Jocelyn. Uh, She says, I'm a bit late to the game tonight, but to me, the episode title tells us that the whole season has been prologue. Perhaps we haven't actually gotten to chapter one yet. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Look, I I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that it's in the title. I appreciate what Jocelyn is saying. And what I'm saying is I absolutely hope that that's the case. Hey, we have a caller lined up. But before we do that, I want to remind people of something I would like for them to do after this show. Our good friends at Priority One are actually going to be going live on Facebook here in just a few minutes. Uh, They talk over a lot of this stuff as well. Uh, Not only Discovery, but they talk about, uh, well, just different news from the Star Trek multiverse. So if you want to check that out, that would be fantastic. I am looking for their webpage again because I always forget it. Oh, there it is. Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. Uh, Tony, Elijah, Kenna, Winters, I think might be off right now, but um, they just get together every week and, and, and talk over Star Trek in a really fun, really informal way. Then if you can't do that tonight, but you want to check out a good, well-produced podcast, they take all this live stuff, they put it in the hopper, and then on Friday, it's available as a downloadable show as well. So uh, Priority One is the name of the show. And if you want to stick around for the live thing, that kicks off in about 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, I believe you're referring to Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Well, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. All right. So we do have uh, Patrick waiting for us, waiting patiently. Patrick, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, there you are, Patrick. What's up tonight? Yeah, I'm here. I'm pretty good. My thought was um, it's not really been determined that the mirror Burnham or the prime Lorca are actually dead. Could they show up? Could they show up? I mean, yeah. What's the chance that what's the chance that Prime Lorca was beaming up at the exact same time? I mean, uh, hopefully that won't be all of next season. Hopefully, won't be you know chasing these mirrors of these an episode. Oh yeah, I would I would love it honestly if we got to. We've never met Lorca. We've only met the mirror Lorca. I would love I would love to actually get to know to get to know that character. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, even though uh, Lorca was uh, evil, he he was still a cool character. Mm-hmm. Right, and and if we assume that they are uh, sort of not not direct opposites, but if we assume that they do share similarities, I mean, look at what uh, the Emperor said to Michael Burnham last week when she's like, "How do I know I can trust you?" And she said, "Well, was was your." Philippa Giorgio, a, a, an honorable person, uh, then you have no reason to not trust me. I mean, it, it's sort of interesting because it goes to what John was saying earlier about is it how they were brought up or is it who they are? I mean, you kind of get you kind of get the sense that they have um, a, a similar core, just you know, raised to do different things. So, I mean, our Lorca made captain here, right? So you got to figure there's something to him and it would be really neat to get to know that character, uh, assuming he's not, you know, stuff floating around in an ion storm. Right. Thank you. 
No, no, no problem at all. Thank you very much for calling in, sir. We appreciate it. And, uh, and do give us a call back when we continue the live show in the, uh, in the coming weeks. I'll be in. All right. Hey, uh, just some comments that came in. Uh, Benjamin Stanley uh, emailed us early and said, I hope you guys or someone addresses the extreme disappointment of going all the way to the trouble of connecting discovery to enterprise with the whole mirror story and the defiant. Uh, see also the Tholian web. And then we never even get to see defiant or hear about mirror Hoshi or anything huge letdown. Um, I, I hear you. I, you know, again, I, I think there's only so much detail that I want out of the mirror universe and just seeing the defiant, the schematic of the defiant, knowing that it exists, knowing that they had probably tinkered with it over the last 80 or 90 years or however long it had been there. Um, that was all interesting detail, but I, I don't know if I necessarily needed to see it. And it was interesting that the writers did kind of create a, a vague connection back to Hoshi, uh, Emperor Sato from Enterprise, by, um, by at least giving one of Giorgio's titles uh, a Japanese reference. So I thought it was kind of, not necessarily a blood relation there, but at least a, uh, a titular relation. So I thought that was kind of cool. I can't remember. You haven't read any of the... Well, you haven't read Desperate Hours, right? I have not. No, you're, you're still reading that. It's a Dave Max book, right? Yeah, I'm pretty close yeah. to the end of it. And I will say, as much as I wish that we could see something like uh, from the Enterprise, like once we're back into our prime universe, uh, as much as I wish we could see something like the Enterprise, like a Pike or maybe, you know, uh, somebody, who else, somebody else who served uh, on the Enterprise, Trying to, when I'm reading about the crew of the Discovery, and then they meet up with the crew of the original, of Pike's Enterprise, trying to see those characters in their different costumes and on their different sets nearly breaks my head every time. You know what? I, I love Somebody the other day posted a picture of Pike in the, uh, remember that cool jacket that, that yeah. they had in, uh, in the menagerie or in the cage, rather? Yeah. Um, and they were like, look, here's that. Here's the uh, here's the costumes from Discovery. Yeah, they're not the same, but when he has that sort of gray blue jacket and the the pants, I remember looked a little bluish on him, at least in this particular picture. You just see a little hint of the uniform color underneath. It, to me, it's not that big of a leap. Okay. I would I would encourage you to read the novel and then I mean it's it's I'm, I'm, trying to picture in my head yeah I'm very near the end of the novel now so it's it's happening but it took me a long time before I was like all right just you know quit seeing that and and start seeing what they're actually writing there uh, speaking of seeing things go talk to the people at uh, Priority One because we're done here unfortunately but I want to let you know before you go Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment executive producer Rod Roddenberry uh, Mission Log Live technical production happens thanks to Infinity Networks producer. Brendan Bradley. Uh, do be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including Mission Log, Women at Warp, Priority One, and the Trek Files. And once again, we would like to thank our friends at Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection for sponsoring this show. Check them out, eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. And we'll talk to you soon. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network